Welcome back. You're listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Treyas. And let's talk sports. Amateur Hour. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to episode 22, Benti Dos of Amateur Hour. Today, we're going to talk about some Christmas colors, and I think you'll see what I mean later. We got some red, we got some green, we have some orange, we have some yellow? Purple? Purple? <laughs> Technically gold? Yes, we have all of the above. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to start this week off. Shreyas, get the good vibes going. Bring us to the weekly highs. The weekly highs. Yeah, let's start. Let's start on a on a positive note. Starting with the personal high that I had, and that was uh, yesterday. So I got to have dinner with a group of friends from high school that we haven't been in the same room probably for two three years. And wow. Yeah. So you know we we chat often, just on you know messenger and text and stuff. But it was good to see a lot of uh, a bunch of people that I've seen separately, but then all in the same room. We had dinner yesterday. Had a nice long talk, and uh, it was really, it was really fun. Um, great food, great, great laughs. You got great, the squad back together. Yeah. That's a good feeling. That's yeah, a good feeling. It is good, especially when you're like, like things like fall into place. No one drops out, and you know, what I mean, just like everyone is like into it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, we want to meet, and like, let's just have a good time. Like that's yep. the best part. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So was, what, so, what kind yeah. of food you guys got? Uh, it was like it was a tavern, so it was like bar and grill food. So I got I got some good mac and cheese. Oh, yeah, man, yeah, man, that was some good mac and cheese. It, was, it had like veggies in it too. So you know, being a vegetarian, I was like, oh, veggie mac and cheese, interesting. So I had like cauliflower and bell pepper, and you know, a couple different types of cheeses. And I was like, it was a little on the sweet side, which I wasn't like expecting, like a sweeter mac and cheese. But I was like, yeah, I can, yeah, I can handle that. Like it's not, it's not overly sweet. Yeah, putting broccoli and, and vegetables in your mac and cheese is an underrated move, in my opinion. It really is. I like didn't bread realize crumbs, you could put bread crumbs on top. Yes, yeah. breadcrumbs on top, cauliflower, broccoli, not asparagus, but like no, most vegetables, no. you can just kind of like mix in there, or at least at the very least, put it on the side. Then you have yeah. a solid meal. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was cauliflower, bell pepper, and it was like topped with like scallions, I think. Oh my. God, that so was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was worth it was worth the money. All right. So what about? Yeah, sports. Yeah, let's bring it. Let's bring it to the more, you know, athletic side, something I know nothing about. And <laughs> <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about the, the Phoenix Suns and Devin Booker in, in specific and how they were able to dismantle the Los Angeles Lakers uh, a couple nights ago. And that performance by Devin Booker in particular, I think. That was, you know, he had 71 night, but that was in a loss. You know, he's had, you know, 50 multiple nights, but, you know, that I think was his magnum opus game. Mm. I, I watched that whole first quarter and I was stunned that, you know. What did he, he drop, 22? Just, he yeah. dropped 22. He hit his first six shots. I think he went four for four from three to start. Like he... He was on fire. They they couldn't stop him. Kyle Kuzma Tried. was running around. I made a joke too <laughs> that I was like, this whole series was a battle for Kendall and Devin Booker won. 
wait, because who who's dating who's dating her now? Is it Devin Booker? I think so. Yeah, yeah. From what I can tell, like and this is the know, same I, girl that dated Ben Simmons too, right? Yeah, yeah. And Kuzma was supposedly had a relationship with her too. Like, wow. I'm, like I'm pretty sure Kuzma like denies it, but there were reports that like Kendall and oh no, there's pictures. There, there's pictures, but we've seen. Maybe it wasn't like a relationship, relationship, but right. you, you were you were around town, and I'm pretty sure y'all were not just, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean, like like you know, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. you're taking a girl shopping not because you guys, yeah, exactly. They're doing the special hug. So I was like, so I was like, you could just tell. I was like, oh, and Kyle Kuzma, like is guarding Devin Booker. I was like, oh, oh. man. I wonder what they're saying to each other. He's like, he's like, you took you took Kendall from me. You took her you? from me. How could you? You <laughs> took her from me. <laughs> yeah, but th- think about that absolute. Uh, listen, I I don't want to be this guy, but think about the absolute dominance in the alpha move and the BDE on Devin Booker. You're scoring against your ex or your current girlfriend's ex boyfriend. You're absolutely giving him the work. My God, that must feel great. You knew you knew he was like like getting dirt off his shoulders he was like he was like really, oh my it's probably why really he went yeah himself a pat on the back at the end of that yeah and at the end of the game he's like i thought about kobe oh great but he was also probably thinking about tooling on his girlfriend's ex-boyfriend like think about that any guy who has the opportunity like if you had the opportunity to play your ex your your girlfriend's ex-boyfriend right. one-on-one or just like in a basketball scenario and you right. dogged him oh my god oh damn it <laughs> That's top ten feelings right that's there. Some, that's some Angela from the Office type shit. Oh, Andy where she wants Dwight him to duel. battle. Yeah, she was low key into it. She, she was, was low key into she it. She was like smirking. She was like, "Wow, they're fighting for my love." And she's like watching from the window. It's like you, freaking masochist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then at the end, she did. Pain. But then, like Dwight was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to do this anymore." And Andy was like, "Yeah, screw you too." Yeah, yeah. You got like, Angela. Here, you know what? Is, we might turn this into a relationship advice podcast. You can't have both. Mm-hmm. You gotta pick one. You need to make the decision. Whatever's going on in your life, you need to decide: Do I want this man or woman or or other, or this man or woman or other? Like it, right. you, you can't have both. Yeah, you can't. If, if you say you're committed, you gotta be committed, right? You can't be. You gotta be committed. You can't like keep one on a string until you know one is more convenient than the other. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You can't play them like a yo-yo. Yeah, you can't not, play them like a fun. yo-yo because, but well, you can. Oh, you could. But it's not right, and it'll end up biting you in the end. At some point, unless you unless you cut it off, yeah. You cut the oh, string right. off, let the yo-yo roll, yeah. Exactly, right. You got to be like, look, to be honest, like this is where I'm at. But it's so much better to do it sooner than later. Like don't leave somebody on the line. Like if you know you want to be with somebody else, don't leave somebody on the line for a long time. Facts. It's going to hurt for the other person, but at least – It's going like- to hurt probably for both of you too because then you might have some like regret or guilt. I don't know. It's just not a good situation. So if you if you like are placed in a scenario where you have two people you can talk to or date or whatever your situation is, right. you need to just pick one. All right. Right. And you got to do it as quick as possible. Honestly. As quick as possible. You can't – and it's just – it's on borderline evil to try to like play both. Especially if you like it, like Angela did. Like that shit, I was like, I was like, damn, this lady is uh, evil. Evil. Yeah. (laughs) Every villain is lemons. Lemons. (laughs) Okay, actually, just you brought up the office real quick. I just want to say a controversial opinion of mine. I think Karen did nothing wrong, and I thought Karen and Jim were a fine couple. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say that Karen definitely got a uh, got jobbed. She got jobbed. She got jobbed. Yeah, she got screwed. Like, think about that, right? You move to a new place with your new boyfriend. Like, things are going really well. New boyfriend gets to the job where he's like ex flame when they weren't really a thing because she was about to marry somebody else. He's like, oh, I still have feelings for her. You just got screwed over. Yeah, she was definitely in like the the crossfire, and she was just like, "Hey, I'm here." And then when Jim and her like went for the job, the executive job, and Jim was like, "Actually, <laughs> deuces," <laughs> so that I can go back. Yeah, so that I can go back to my old, my old like not even like flame, just like old old crush. Like feelings. they they weren't yeah, even crush, yeah. yeah yeah, and that's so unfair. I just right, left that's her in New York. <laughs> Yeah, well, Jim was doing the same thing. It was like Jim like had two people, and he was like, uh, well, I guess actually he made the choice. But Karen he did get shafted because they were she dating, and then they they like kind of tried to portray her as evil, but she really did nothing wrong. Yeah, because they, well, they tried to portray her as like hating Pam, but then like there was, there was like one moment, well, I think it was like the, the Christmas party episode that I was like, these two, if they had actually like developed their friendship, could have been like really good friends. Good friends. Right. Oh yeah, true. They had those moments where they were together and they were like laughing and stuff. They were chill. Yeah. But no. they always yeah, played yeah. it where in the back of everybody's mind was like, oh well, they both like the same guy. Yeah. What's gonna happen? I hate I kinda hated that. I wish they turned honestly, I like agree. now that I'm talking about it and like actually getting into this conversation, like I wish they were friends. Cause that would have been such a fun like them two versus Angela would have been so funny. Just mm-hmm. like a si- like a B B side to each uh to each episode, that would have been funny. Exactly. Well, they made, remember, they made like the, the, they had their party and Angela had her party. The the Christmas party. Yeah. yeah. The Christmas party. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They had like alcohol and stuff and karaoke. And then (laughs) Angela, Angela had like, like one plate of cookies that Kevin ate. (laughs) (laughs) But we have cookies. Angela, brownies. Angela, brownies. Brownies. (laughs) Yeah. We ate of, of that freaking talking head. That was amazing. Why say more word when few do trick? Free do trick. <laughs> <laughs> what a great show. What a great show. I've only seen it five times, so those are rookie numbers. But that is a show. Yeah, I've it's only so seen it masterfully done. Outside of just the comedy and stuff, it's just so masterfully done. Facts. Every actor on that show is phenomenal. The camera work is phenomenal. The, the writing is phenomenal. I mean, just that so, that is not my number one comedy so of all well time. cast like everyone oh like God. at the end of it you're like wow i knew this character like that's how well cast it was exactly exactly yep i mean you know after michael left it wasn't the same like at when my first like first two times through i was like oh will ferrell's kind of funny no he wasn't that good no ferrell was annoying but also, robert california though i you thought like he was him? funny i was i did i, I, I did was, i had a hot and cold like relationship watching robert california like james spader cool like i think he's a great actor but i don't know i was like mm, i don't know how like he just didn't fit that I, I, okay i can agree with that i can agree with that like i, I think i just liked him as a character but I'm, i'll not be blackmailed by some ineffectual privileged feet soft penis <laughs> debutante <laughs> yeah, you want to start not- a street fight with me go ahead but you're gonna be surprised by how ugly it gets well, i don't even just- know my real name I just didn't. I just didn't see like. I just didn't see the uh, the. What do I say? Like the comedic relationship between the characters in the office and then him when he came in. Like there was no, I guess, rapport. Almost, it felt almost like he was like isolated. And he'd I agree. Come in, say like sick lines. Like his lines would be like well put together, but then 
like you would just never get anything after from the other characters like there was no it wasn't like michael because when they when michael would say something they would all like you know there was that relationship him him. yes yeah. exactly there was a relationship with each character and michael yeah I, I i agree with that yeah yeah so that's why i was like dang this is kind of isolated and it felt like that too with idris elba's character i forgot what his name was oh charles uh, charles? Charles, charles charles minor charles minor yeah yes i am aware of the effect that i have on women <laughs> <laughs> i only i only honestly liked him Hi, when charles. he like roasted jim like that was the only time I would like Charles. Where Jim's in the tux on the first day, bro. The secondhand embarrassment. Oh my god. Okay, but the sock. I'm not gonna lie though. The soccer ball. Okay. Also, I just want to say a disclaimer. If if our listeners have not watched The Office, I apologize because yeah. none of this is gonna make any sense. We're getting to the sports stuff. But if you have seen The Office, so you've done yourself a favor. And if you haven't, and you can watch it, absolutely watch it. It is it is, it is my top comedy of all time. Use use this as your synopsis. This can be your little blurb for going and now watching The Office and doing yourself a favor. Use our conversation. Mm-hmm. We say, well, those guys that kind of talk about sports, they told me. They, they said watch the show, so I, I have to. They seem to like it, so why can't I? <laughs> they watch it. They hate it. These guys are full of crap. <laughs> okay, so... Let's talk about real quick because I want to. I want to get into our Christmas colored meat and potatoes. All right. I want to talk about the lows real quick. <laughs> the lows. So my personal low is that I need skincare. I've realized. I've realized now that I need skincare. My face is fine, I guess, but honestly, my skin looks like it's going through a second puberty. I'm getting a little bit of blotchiness, a little bit of grease, a little bit of dry. A little bit of dark circles, some mild, you know, not like bad acne, but you know, you get a pimple every now and again. You're like, ah, I just, I need some skincare. Mm -hmm. The problem is, and this is why it's my low, I have no idea where to go. I have no idea. There's so much out there. There's so much out there and I don't want to, right, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't trust everything. Like if I'm going to do it, I want a good product. I don't want to break the bank for it. But I want a good product that is like, you know, pretty like natural, like, you know, humane. I, I want all that stuff. I want all the bells and whistles. And I want it to like actually like work and not make me feel like I have like this like just seeping oil on my face. That's yeah, just like, yeah. gre- like I don't want to feel greasy after it. So you that's just, that. That's you my like, issue. You, you've just sweat and now you feel sweaty again kind of feeling like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I like when you have up, like yeah. an oil on your face, it just like doesn't feel good. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that, that is what I am trying to avoid. So also, yeah, it's something that also like doesn't like, especially like all the washes, like, you know, like the face washes to have like, I don't know, whatever acid in them or something that like cleans out your pores and stuff. I'm always afraid of it drying out my skin and mm. being like, you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. just feel like I just I don't I like I don't know what I would put on afterwards, like what type of lotion or like I'm always like, oh, and then I feel like kind of dry. I'm like, oh, man, like is my face going to crack now? Like it, it feels clean, but is it mm-hmm. too dry? Like, I don't know. Like I'm really bad at all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I need, you know, so if anybody listening understands skincare and wants to reach out, please. Yeah, is anyone a dermatologist? If anyone's knows. a, or just like experienced with, I don't know, makeup or anything, just, just, just hit up, hit up our, our business email or hit up our Twitter or something, please. Or if you follow either of us on Instagram as well, just, I, I, I need help. That's mm-hmm. it. Okay, that is my personal low. Sports low, as of 20 to 25 or so minutes ago, 
the man that we talked about last week who got exposed by Shannon Sharp is, guess what? He's not going to the Falcons. So Julio Jones just announced that he is going to the Tennessee Titans. Oh, my God. Yeah, so a report from Ian Rappaport that Falcons are trading Julio Jones to the Titans for a 2022 second-round pick. What? That's it? Yeah, that's it. Oh, <gasps> what? And insane because what oh insane are they because it, well julio like basically devalued himself to the falcons because he went on live television and said that he was going to he wanted to be traded <laughs> so yeah but he still wants to be traded like he's still under contract you can get more than a 2022 second round pick i would like to think i would like to think too and i think they tried i think when he first I think when a couple months ago when they were like shopping Julio or whatever, probably under the covers, I think they were probably trying to get a, <laughs> a, a first round pick. But then once he put the news out and the first round pick didn't mean anything to teams anymore. Like he, they were like, nah, dude, you're going to have to trade him. He won't, he won't report. Like I think they like called the bluff basically. They were like, he's not going to report to camp. Wow. Do all th-. And so they had to just get something from him. And I guess the next oh best God. thing was a, a, a second round pick. And I mean, it's fine, but it's also like, wow, the absolute, like considering he's a franchise player and has been a franchise player and he's still relatively, he's been injured and for uh, a he, couple no, seasons. Yeah, Shreyas, he has, he has potential. He like, he still is, he's not done yet. He's not done yet. Yeah. He's 32. So he's kind of Pass on his prime. He's yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely on the, on the older side. And considering he's had injury issues in the past, like that's something you have to watch out for. But he's had seasons when he plays at least fourteen games, it's like an automatic fifteen hundred yards type season. Like mm-hmm. that's yeah. insane. And the fact that the Titans got him and now they have AJ Brown on one side and Julio Jones on the other side is that's exactly what a what a Plus they have Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry, yeah, that's that is a team to be reckoned with just well, from actually, an offensive standpoint. Yes, I agree because last year in the playoffs, the Titans got stopped because their weapon, their one weapon that they just went to a lot was Derrick Henry. And when they clogged up, like this man is a freak of nature. He is one of the most impressive athletes I have ever seen. This man yeah. can body, body grown men right. like he's playing high school ball. Right. Like it's insane to watch people literally fly off of him and watch him just get these insane like even though with some of his plays are only like eight yards the, the amount of people the josh norman play where he literally tells josh norman to like you know bye bye have a have a good have a nighty night and then just pushes him down exactly so so he was their only weapon though that that's my point now that they have that receiver core oh brother yeah i so like them one of the things is like Corey davis was like an experiment for the last five years they kept him on because you know they i think they drafted him and the early rounds when he got drafted. So they kept him and they kept trying and he just never could be consistent. And that, in that playoff game uh, against the Ravens, he was just invisible. And so they had to only, they could only depend on Derrick Henry, one run, one running back and AJ Brown, one receiver. And so now you get a second <laughs> pro bowl future hall of famer receiver in Julio. I Jones. know. Yeah. Yep. It's just like it just does so much. Even if he becomes like, a, like even if he's hurt, he still plays decoy, 
really well. Like if he's hurt, they just if they, he's like, yeah, I can play. Like I can just be like people still have to guard. Like they still have to cover him because he's Julio uh-huh. Jones. It's just a name. Brand. It's just Julio Jones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So crazy, crazy that the the Titans pull that off. And I was really, really hoping the Patriots would be in on him because. Oh, me too, bro. Me because too. we could have moved some. We could have moved some stuff around. I thought like the Cam the Cam Newton relationship would have helped. You know, uh, you know, been like, hey, Falcons, you know, he really wants to play here. Maybe we can pull something together. Like, but we could have uh, given up. Yeah, but Shrey, that's what I'm saying is we could have given up. Like, there's got to be more behind the scenes because the Pats could have absolutely given up. We probably would have given up two second round picks. I do want, I, yeah, I do want to know. I do want to know um, what the offer what was. What the offer was. If there was an offer made. If there was no that's offer made, if there yeah. was no offer made, I'd been pissed. I'd be pissed if I was a Pats, like being a Pats fan. I'd be pissed if there was no conversation externally because i heard internal discussions were had but if there was no external but if you didn't actually contact him yeah. right if there was no phone call made heated i'd be so pissed because mm-hmm. that, that's not a big that's not a big ask to a second round pick for next year not a big ask honestly i agree you paid the same price for mom and sanu <laughs> so if you can't do that for julio jones i don't know what to mr tell you. inconsistent not a, good, not a good deal not a good deal no bueno so so that's the weekly the reports. Yeah, that is the low. I mean, if you're a Titans fan, that's a high. That's huge. If you're Atlanta or the Pats, <laughs> that's bad. Okay, so I want to dive into the meat and potatoes. I want to dive into the Christmas colors. Now, for those of you that don't know, the quote unquote traditional Christmas colors are red and green. We're going to be oh. starting with the green. The Boston Celtics. Oh, boy. Our favorite team ever. Favorite team. Danny Ainge, before the end of the season, said... Big changes are coming in this offseason. Right. Well, boy, oh, boy, this man was not kidding. Dude stepped down. Yeah. From, what did he have, 17 years as uh, GM? Yes, I think he was 17 or 18 years as GM. 17 or 18 years stepped down. President of basketball operations for the Celtics. So technically, a title that basically is GM, but it sounds better than GM. It it does sound. It does sound better than GM. So Danny H steps down, promotes current head coach brad stevens to the new head of basketball operations i Trace, i, I, I want to hear your thoughts first because I, I don't know what to make of it mm-hmm. i don't know if this is good i don't know if the train is still chugging on like the the mediocre train i don't know yeah. if we've fallen off the tracks i don't know if he's exploded yes so i don't know what brad stevens can bring as gm basically so i'll just call him gm because it's too long to say the other gm stevens yeah so i i don't know what he would bring because he's never he's never been in a front office role he's been a coach eight years so i don't know what his and a a mediocre coach at that i just want to say that mediocre yeah so I, I, i wouldn't go as far as saying mediocre he's definitely had success in the league and he's definitely taken teams that shouldn't have been in winning situations to winning situations it hasn't worked the opposite way where he's taken teams that already should be in a winning situation to, you know, even a higher, a higher level. But he, I think, I think he's just, you know, he's one of many, he's one of many coaches that does, has the success that he has. I think there are a a number of teams that have a Brad Stevens like success rate. I just, can you, can you call Eastern conference finals a success? I don't know, man. Like, I guess so, he has. Yeah, but now yes, he has a losing in record cases. in the playoffs. Like his, his regular season record is fine. Yeah. But, lo- you know, he has a losing record in the playoffs. The farthest we've made it was Eastern Conference Finals 
never touched the finals, never even thought about a chip. Problems with his rotations. I don't know. Brad Stevens is mediocre. And as a coach, he doesn't, his biggest problem, and we've said this before, he doesn't know how to play the heat, not the Miami heat, the heat in the sense of when a player is hot or cold, what do you do next? If a player is hot, get them the ball. If a player is cold, take them out. Yeah, that's that, that's a that's a problem. His in-game management is not as polished as we thought when he came in. We thought that you know he would bring, especially his like first couple of years when you know he was like the king of uh, out of timeout plays, and his like he just had like look like he was gonna have a real feel for the game and people were really on him. The last couple of years have been really underwhelming from a sta- from that standpoint where in-game management was not as crisp and you know you felt like you know why did he call that timeout why didn't he call that timeout why mm-hmm. is why is this player out for this amount of time you know this player needs to to be benched for this player because you know this player has more why is semi ojale getting 25 minutes yeah. a game like why like you you don't i don't know if he trusts his young players as much and then he expects a lot of them in the playoffs so like those are all definite high point like low points in his in his tenure as coach over the last eight years but to then to then bring him into a gm type role front office role like do you think he's gonna do anything i like that's what i'm that's what i'm worried about but i'm also i want to see i want to give it some time and see who gets placed around brad because you know it can't just be brad and then no one's below him like it was Danny. Because <laughs> when Danny came in, he had coach, he had front office. Like he had a lot of, you know, experience outside of just being a coach. But to to come in and just be a coach from the college level and then, you know, eight years as coach at the NBA level, it's different now when you're trying to evaluate talent. Like I don't know what his talent evaluation skills are like. And I also don't know – what his like relationship with the players is now being a front office. Cause he's ha- he has to like, he can't be the, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm coach Stevens. Like I'm your guy. Like he's got to make actual objective decisions. Can he do it? Stick by them. And I don't, you know, know what, if he Shreyas, can do it by this is, you know what they did? He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a shadow puppet. That's what happened. He, he's he's not actually calling different. the shots. I, yeah. I think it's going to be, it's, it's going to be somebody else. It's yeah. going to be maybe more of the owner maybe another set of people. It just, I, I don't know. I agree. Again, this is the same guy who I know some of the, you know, rotation decisions come from the front office, but this is the same guy that would play Sammy Ojale 25 minutes a game, even though the dude has literally three points off one for four shooting. Yeah. <laughs> and so and you gotta, put the ball on the floor. It was so you gotta, bad. You got to think, does he really like Sammy Ojale? And then I will know, right? Like, does he really like Sammy Ojale? Will he trade him? Does he really like Marcus Smart? Will he trade him? Like, if is he capable trades, of making a decision? Right, his trades will be indicative of how he actually felt about the player, rather than you know, you know, buttering buttering himself up as a coach to you know appease the talent. You know who the first one gone is? Taco Fall. No, no. What do you mean? No, because like a... Brad Stevens would never play this dude. <laughs> this dude was so reluctant to put Taco in the game at any point. I really. Like, why are you giving this man? Like, I get it. People have their problems with Taco. 
I feel that they're unwarranted. I feel as though Taco is still raw. Uh, I feel as though he's still rough. I think he has potential. He is seven six and he can move up and down the floor. He just needs to like be strong and just find his position a little bit. He deserves more time than the last thirty seconds of a scrub game blowout. Come on, people. I don't, I don't know. I think Taco. I think Taco kind of is what he is until he can be a better shooter. Like, like I think he needs to follow the ways of Boban because Boban is a valuable player off the bench now, regardless of his height. Like, it's not just his height. It's not just a novelty anymore. He can shoot the ball. He can. Wow. He's so tall. Yeah. It's not just like, he's not like, he's not like a, like a circus event anymore. He's like an, (laughs) he's an actual player. He's an actual defensive player. He can shoot the ball. So Taco Fall is, I think way like, far kind of far away from that right now like his footwork needs a lot of work his defense definitely from a post standpoint like is good and but people can still get around him if you know he's outside Ah. of defensive position okay if he's caught out but if he's in the right position he alters every single shot that comes into the paint right and as you can see from the celtics last season one of our worst areas was paint defense and allowing points in the paint so for that's sure, why, for, sure. for that reason, is why I think literally just putting Taco's body in there because we realistically don't need him on on defense. What what can uh, uh, Carson Edwards provide that well, Taco can't? Because Carson Edwards is so inconsistent with shooting, he gets the same amount of points as Taco. Probably had more shot attempts, and that means more shot attempts for the Jays and for Kemba when he needed it, when he actually like stopped playing like garbage. You know what I mean? Yeah, we we definitely need a re-rostering of the end of our end of our bench are because when people go down we're just left with such little depth and i that's one thing it's like i don't know what brad would do by himself to figure that out and try to get the best players depth wise can we get montrose harrell i mean that would be nice i would take that i I feel like we bring back marcus morris and Montrez Harrell, we reestablish the dog mentality. Marcus Smart steps up because he can't be soft, right? We become that lockdown defensive team that's dogging on every single play. Like, that is who I want the Boston sports identity to be. Yeah, I want Jay Smoove taking all of his shots, going to work on people. You know, this dude's 23 years old. He's already a phenomenal scorer. And then I just want that dog defense. Like, that. that is my dream. But again, can you get inspired under this man, Brad Stevens, because I absolutely would not. Well, that's well, that's the thing now is that he doesn't have to inspire anymore. So that's one thing I'm kind of breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief is that he's not the guy that has to be the motivating, you know, like he has to be a motivating factor anymore. Like he's he's just a guy that has to build the roster well. And that's what like. I wish he was able to do that as a coach and, you know, we had a little more success, but now that he's not in that position, I'm a little bit more like, yeah, like I think he could be that kind of in the background type of thing. I just don't know how well he'll do it, but I think he like, he'll be better. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's better than what Danny Ainge, because Danny no, Ainge, no, I, no, want no. To say. I think he'll be better than what he, what his success was as a coach. Oh, okay. I can agree with that, I guess, if we're going to give the argument of Brad Stevens is the ultimate, quote-unquote, tactician. He's a great strategist. He understands that. I just don't know if that translates to player personnel. I just yeah, don't. It may not. It may not. And I, 
look, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, every new year after getting my hopes and dreams absolutely obliterated, like my hopes and dreams for the Celtics each year gets nuked. And this year it got double nuked. Right. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was I was willing to work with Grant Williams for most of the season. I'm still hopeful about Taco. I thought Langford showed promising flashes. I still hate Ojale. I think Carson Edwards has no place on the team. Yeah. Even Waters, I think, could go somewhere else and thrive. Like, I think he he is small, but he's a solid player, and he could be a solid, like, bench bench guard. Maybe, maybe. I I'm maybe. a little bit. I'm a little bit on the, the downside for all the the you know second round second round picks that we've taken under Danny. We could have had Matisse Seibel. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, we could. Yeah, defensively, but we traded we him for Grant. Like we would. We do need someone like that. That's the same. Like that's again kind of like a Marcus Smart like defense first, solid offense because Matisse Seibel is much better than Grant Williams. And Carson Edwards, for sure. and that's who we got instead. For sure, just just on the defensive side, he is like I could take him not shooting and just playing defense over Grant Williams just having minutes. Yeah, all day. Yeah, exactly. And that right there is, I mean, our poor. Maybe we'll draft better this time, but there's like you said, there's got to be other people in the front office with Brad. Yeah, and because we'll, he might just not understand, and and he might just need to go back to being a college coach. To be completely honest, maybe, maybe, and I don't, I don't think that's a, in the realm of possibility because I feel like people, when they come to be NBA coaches, unless there's some like devastating failure, like almost like Rick Pitino, like or you know what I mean, like just that type of Calipari, like where it's just like brutal failure, mm. they won't really go back because they'll find a bad team to coach or you know try to build themselves up again. Like the NBA just lifestyle is much easier, especially now than the college coach lifestyle with recruiting and transfers and all that stuff where it's like a massive headache for coaches now. That's probably probably one of the reasons why Coach K is leaving is because (laughs) how much more of this new college style of everyone leaving schools and, you know, moving everywhere and moving everywhere. There is so much transferring. There's so much transferring in the NCAA portal where it's like, how much more can he handle that new style? He's like too old for this kind of now. So I totally understand where he, coming from in that standpoint mm-hmm. but I, yeah. wanted to, I wanted to ask you max because one of the rumors that came out well and that i think of that i'm like hmm, this is an interesting way to think about the whole brad stevens danny ainge thing is brad stevens had or supposedly has like four or five like five or six years left on a contract that he signed maybe last year or something and the reason why he got given the gm position was because ownership did not want to pay Brad him to coach. out. Yeah. Like they didn't want they didn't want him to pay Brad. They didn't want to pay Brad out, but they wanted to keep him. Right? So they were like, okay, you're under contract. If Danny's saying he's going to leave, we're not going to also like even though Danny picked you, like we're not going to pay for someone else and then pay for you as well. Uh-huh. So they were like, all right, what if we just used your contract as the player basketball op- like head of basketball operations contract and then found a new coach? So that is my, like, if that rumor is, you know, true, and they obviously the Celtics won't say it, that is a very concerning outlook at this whole situation because it shows that there is no external search. There is no trying to see, you know, this 
this GM may be on the market, this front office person may be on the market that has more potential than Brad or has more experience than Brad at what he's doing. And there's also reports that like they were looking at GMs because Danny said that he told in March, in March yeah. right? So they were yep. looking at other you know people and maybe one of the people that could have, they, they tried to talk to or maybe wanted to talk to was Sam Presti. Mm. And if we had an opportunity to get someone like Sam Presti or Masai Ujiri. Oh, I dude, I love Masai. I would have done that 100 times out of 100 overpicking Brad Stevens. And that would have been a complete oversight on, on ownership because just for money reasons, you would pick this guy versus picking the best available GM for you if that if someone like that was available. So I don't know what you think about that kind of rumor if they kind of were stuck and put in a headlock and had to choose kind of between. Well, straight. That's what, that's why I said what I said earlier. Like I, I put on my tinfoil hat and I was like, well, Brad Stevens is part of the, he's just a puppet. The shadow government is actually going to be controlling and calling the shots for the Celtic organization. Um, I, I could honestly see that being the case. I really don't think at this point, I don't think anybody respects white Brad Stevens. I don't, uh-huh. I don't, I really don't because it was, I, and I got I got flamed for saying this the other day to a couple of my friends, but I said there were reports earlier in the season, actually no, throughout the entire season, that it's players have tuned Brad Stevens out, right. and I could honestly see it. Watching this man talk in, in press conferences, I, I don't know if he's trying to be Bill Belichick or he's genuinely like that boring. He's not doing a good job. He's just so divinely uninspiring. Like Bill, I would not go to war for this guy ever. If he least- told me to do something, I'd be like piss off at least bill belichick has like won something to act the way he acts what has brad stevens ever won to you know just be that kind of boring exactly right bill belichick bill belichick has earned on to cincinnati (laughs) yeah oh he's earned it he has earned that and he has earned through through whatever his persona is because you also hear too through tom brady and through some players they're like bill is a different guy when you catch him off the field Bill is a different guy when you catch him in the locker room. Uh-huh. Bill is a different guy when he's talking to the press. Bill is a different guy because you can see Bill Belichick get fired up. For sure. Yeah. Like a lot. You can see him get fired up. Yeah. Of course, after the game, he's going to be like, well, yeah, I thought we could have done this, this, and this better. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so make sure we get there. Uh, yeah. Next question. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's really Brad good. Stevens is just like, um, well, I really like the Nets. They're a great team. Um, you know, I think our guys just need to play better. We need to make the right passes. And, you know, if we score the ball more than the other team, we could probably win. But, Man, yeah, you know, those, we can't win them uh, all. I, he I is get such, frustrated. Oh, I get frustrated yes. every time I hear him. He is such a loser's mentality. Like, this dude is a simp, but not for a girl. Like, he is just like a pushover. I don't know. I, I can't. No, seriously, you're complimenting another team. You're telling your team last year that you can't win them all. What kind of an attitude is that? Yeah, why would you tell the media that? That is a very... Why would you tell your team that? Yeah. Why would you tell anybody? <laughs> Again, winning every... We talked about this. I think this was like the third episode or something. Winning every single game is improbable. Right. But it is not impossible. And having the mentality is... Weak sauce. Having them, yeah, having the mentality of winning, wanting to win every game is required, like almost. If you want yeah, to be in a yeah. competitive sport. I'm telling you right now that Michael Jordan, if anybody's like, oh, we can't win this game, Michael Jordan literally is hitting this guy. Michael Jordan is like, yo, Phil, don't play him. <laughs> yeah, seriously. For sure, for sure. You think Kobe would have been happy with that? 
You think even the Suns? My God, remember the Suns last year in the play-in? You think these guys went in with insurmountable odds and were like, yeah, no, we can't win all these games. And then they won eight in a row. They won eight in a row. Yeah. Facts. Like, if you don't have that mentality, you don't make it to that point just to be in the, to have a shot to, and they did. So it's like, major problems. Celtics lost by 10. Celtics lost by 10 41 times this season in a 70 game season. That's insane. I did not know that stat, and that's insane. That's that's crazy. Which shows that you know when they get down, not many times do they get back up. At least this particular team. Like when we lose, we lose. Yeah, that's a big. That's a, that was a bit huge part of the season was getting down. You know, ten fifteen points at halftime, and you know people talk about oh the Spurs game and you know Milwaukee that Milwaukee game and but no but, no but how often do you see that from this team where you're confident that after halftime if they're down double digits you are like if i were to look you in your eye and say will this team make it and win this end the end of this game if like you wouldn't you wouldn't say yes Mm-hmm. You wouldn't say yes. Just, you wouldn't because say it, just because of one game where they won by 30, like they were down 30 and they came back. That's not a good game. Yeah, it's not It's not a good game. It's yeah. not a good game when you let up 72 points in the first half. It's not. It's hor- It's horrible. It's like Jason Tatum had to have a out-of-body out experience. Beat. Yeah. He had to have an out-of-body experience, an otherworldly performance in the second half after a first half where he legit, like he was like a regular player like everyone else. You know what I mean? So, like, it's it, there's two sides to every coin. You can't just say, oh, they're really good at this because, you know, this guy did it one time. Because if they if they went down that much, that means he was a part of that part of that as well, right? So that's kind of that loser mentality that you're talking about from this team that needs to be changed. There needs to be an identity check. There needs to be an identity switch. You know, back to not saying they need to be, like, more physical, like which always is good. But they need to have more veterans that want to win. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping whatever whoever is put around Brad or Brad in general can do that. Because and especially a coach too. Well, so wait, so yes, Shreyas. Right, I'm gonna interrupt you right now. Yes. Becky Hammond. For coach. For coach. That would be the best, the best possible hire, I think, in my opinion. She has worked under Pop, one of the all-time greats, a future Hall of Fame coach. Yeah. She knows her stuff. She gets fired up. I've seen her coach. I've seen her talk to players. I'm really, really impressed. And to have the first female head coach, my God, especially since she's so qualified. Like, it's not just you're making the hire just to make the hire. Right. You're making the hire because this this woman knows her stuff. She knows basketball. Yeah, that's the one. She's the one. Oh my God. If we could hire her, like, I think she has such great game sense. I think she has such great, like, personnel knowledge. I think she just knows when to, call. if she's played with Pop, she knows when to call a timeout. For sure. She knows how to play the Heat. <laughs> I think that this would be, I mean, I, I don't know. Celtics, if you're listening, please consider this. Consider this. Because right now, as of right now, and, and, and Trey, I want to get your thoughts on this. We, right. we talked a little bit about this this week. Um, you know, off off pod when we were just texting each other. Right now, the the, the official report after Danny Ainge stepped down, the official report was <laughs> Jason Kidd 
and Lloyd Pierce are two of the head coaching candidates. For those of you that don't know, and Trey has actually informed me of this first one, Jason Kidd was fired twice from a head coaching job. So that's not a good thing to have on your resume, like fired. Like, it's not like, oh, well, we, you know, came to the decision. Oh, I left because I didn't want to rebuild, you know, AKA Doc Rivers, like whatever, you know, regular stuff. You were fired. Yikes. And Lloyd Pierce has one of the most mediocre to terrible tenures on the Hawks I've ever seen. Nate McMillan took every single one of his stats and made it better. Well, what what was the stat? I'm pretty sure that the day after the Hawks fired Lloyd Pierce, Nate McMillan took the Hawks on an eight-game win streak. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you, they won like 27. They went 27 and 11, I think, after the firing. Like, it was pretty insane that Nate, uh, that Lloyd Pierce wasn't able to, like, the players weren't rallying around him. And then once the new guy, once the assistant coach, Nate McMillan, who's coached before, too, he has a lot of coaching experience. So yep. once he was there, like, it just was like a perfect fit. And I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to be the guy that's like, <laughs> just got fired and then your team does well and then now you're looking for another job it's like hey like i'm open you know, i've learned I'm a really- lot listen baby i've changed i've learned a lot i can come back i can be better <laughs> right uh, like what no exactly so you don't want that guy like like both of these guys both kid and mcmillan like you're, you're like or not mcmillan uh pierce yeah you're like just no I'm no, also, I'm I'm also I'm also looking at people like Sam Cassell, and I know his uh, Sam Cassell and Chauncey Billups have had their names thrown around the coaching pool recently, uh, just because of their winning mentality and their ability to, you know, know what it is like to get to the highest stage as a player, and then also they have assistant coaching experience. So I'm not asking you to be a head coach, to be you know, the coach of the Boston Celtics. Like, it's a marquee franchise. You know you have two great stars that you can, you know, that have had success in the past and kind of need to be shown the ropes having yeah. had success yep. early. They yep. need to have, they need to be shown the ropes of longevity now. Now uh-huh. it's like... Yes, yeah, sir. Yes, sir. Need, Turn that up. Yeah, so yeah. I need a guy that can really kind of ground these guys. Mm-hmm. Tatum, Brown, Smart, and tell them like, "Hey, you got close, but you're not there yet. Like, and if anything, you're getting worse. So we need to, like, your team. I mean, not you as a player, but like your team is getting worse. So we <laughs> we need to we need to figure out what our best identity is. And I'm gonna help you get. Like, I need some guy that is gonna take the reins. And I think someone like Becky Hammond, someone like Chauncey Bill, Sam Cassell, who have been assistant coaches for long periods of time or you know are in systems that are are really good i want someone like that a former player so becky hammond obviously WNBA. uh chauncey billups sam cassell have won championships in the nba like i need someone like that i need someone that knows how to be a veteran and knows how to be a mentor and then also has the coaching experience as well so i think those are my top three candidates would be Becky Hammond, Chauncey Billups, and Sam Cassell. Sam Cassell. Yeah. I would be happy, yeah. But Becky Hammond first, please. Becky Hammond would be great. Becky Hammond would be I would be fantastic. so, man, I would be so, I would be so excited. I would be so excited for that. Because again, she's going to bring that, she's going to bring the fire. She's going to bring the defense first. Mm-hmm. 
because it starts in the defensive end and we lost our defensive identity. Like I just remember, you know, go back to that. I guess we'll give Brad Stevens credit, right? Go back to that, that when Kyrie was out and we made that Eastern conference finals run to lose to LeBron, it was a great series, right? But during that time, that whole season, our identity was defense. Mm -hmm. Every time the Celtics played any team, it would be it would I, I would find most of the games would be kept under a hundred mm -hmm. yeah. because while our offense wasn't the greatest our defense we would lock up the stars we would lock up the bench we did not let threes fly mm -hmm. there was always somebody in somebody else's face and then you look at this year and my god the laziness the miscommunications and the lack of closeout is just it's appalling yeah to I see how far how far we fell from grace we took we were at the top of the out. mountain Took a real step back, yeah. Real step back. Especially <laughs> from how No pun Marcus, intended. From how Marcus Smart was <laughs> from how Marcus Smart <laughs> was talked about as a defensive player being on the all defensive team. I think this was a a fairly mediocre year from him on the defensive end. Just I I didn't find his I guess all around defensive effort as prevalent as it was in previous years. And I'm not trying to sing I'm singling him out because he is our best defensive player but also i guess from a team perspective that needs to change and i think you got to get to the to the stars first and tell them like hey you you guys have been good defense two-way players in the past like we have to get back to that but then also we got to bring in people that are willing to ratchet up the intensity on the defensive end and you know i feel like you feed as a as a teammate you feed off of defensive intensity and if, if someone next to you is playing really well defensively you can't you don't want to be the guy to let them down so i think we need more of those players because otherwise you just look to the side of you and if grant williams is letting the guy you know walk by him and you know also take a sip of his lemonade and you know you know walk on the beach and then he goes yeah, in for the layup like then yeah. you're like well, i mean if this guy's not gonna do it why should i do it like so yeah yep or you just watch sammy ogley the great defender <laughs> Just not close. Like he, that man has literally the worst closeouts of all time. Dude will like shuffle his feet like he's guarding somebody who's trying to drive. You know how like you shuffle your feet to like stay in front of them. He'll like shuffle his feet forward, doing this like weird like samba crab walk, and he will stop like a solid foot two feet in front of them. Not too, and I'm not talking about his feet. Like his arm will be a solid <laughs> foot two feet. And for an NBA player and shooter. I played the other day when I played basketball the other day, I played against a former D2 starter. You oh, gave okay. this man, you gave this man an inch of space. He yeah. was pulling the three in your face. Yeah. You gave him an inch. If we, we, you know, me and a couple of my teammates miscommunicated on a couple screens. Like I felt, you know, I, I want to put myself a little plug out there. I felt pretty good. Like I, I had him, I was denying him the ball because I knew that once he got it, he's going to be hard to stop. So that was my first thing. I was like, I can't let this kid get the ball. If he gets it, I, my hand is always in his face. I got to stay right there. But mm -hmm. again, sometimes mistakes happen. Like I, I, I messed up a couple times and he would just pull it. Now, this is a D2 starter, which is leagues below the NBA. So you're in the NBA and like you yourself are a top athlete. But mm -hmm. my God, you got to understand that when you're playing a Bradley Beal, when you're playing a Trey Young, like these guys are going to pull it off right. of six inches of space. Right. You got to be there. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's not even like you look at it like, because people look at his body type and say, oh, he's got, he's got to be really good. Look how like built he is. No, but it's all about, it's all about positioning too. So 
you know, okay, but see, you can't, one thing I've learned, one thing I've learned, and this is for everybody, anybody who has ever and is going to ever play basketball, you cannot judge somebody and their basketball ability based off of what they look like. Mm. Look at, look at, look at, I know he's really tall, but what's his name? Alex, Alexi Pokachevsky. Pokachevsky. Yeah. If you saw that man, if he was like, cause I've seen kids who look just like him, who are like, you know, six, six foot or even like five eleven. You're right. like, oh, that kid can't be good at basketball. They're nasty. They're insane. Mm-hmm. Then you see kids like like me when I started playing basketball. Like I've always been taller. I've had, you know, a little bit of muscle. So like I look big and I look athletic. But when I started playing, I sucked. You cannot judge somebody. I've seen kids who are literally like five, four ball the hell out. Right. You cannot judge somebody in their basketball ability based off of how they look. It's true. It's it's a hundred percent true. Yeah, Pokashevsky, very skilled offensively. He's still very raw, but you can just tell that he has basketball sense. Yeah, and look I at Jokic. You're like, player, oh, he's a yeah. seven foot, like you know, Ser- Serbian. You know, like he he's just huge. He used to be really big when he got into the league. You're like, there's no way he's going to be a good basketball player. Like mm-hmm. he might be a good like you know defensive lineman. No, this dude is nasty. <laughs> he's massive. Yeah, he's. A- massive on the court and then big brain too massive brain so that's what that's what what i thought when i first saw him you know the most important muscle i've seen is the brain (laughs) that is most attractive when i look at somebody i say this this is big brain i like this (laughs) this is my favorite okay so (laughs) before we head out Trace brought up something else that was interesting and i want to get to the other segment of our christmas colors so we talked about the green for a long time but it needed to be said now we're going to talk about the red damian lillard what do we do with this man my question my question is my my question is is damian lillard is he staying or is he going it's like at this point like you would never think coming into a season that Damian Lillard was anywhere close to asking for a trade or, you know, getting his loyalty tested or, you know what I mean? Like that is on the last thing on people's minds when they talk about Damian Lillard, because they know, they know it's about what is game going to do with Portland this year. He's true to whoever he plays and definitely the Blazers now. So like he's true to the Blazers. He knows that he doesn't in a sense need to join a team that's already built to win for him to be, you know, to show that he's special and for him to win as well. But it could, there comes a point and Max, you're, you're, I think you're about to talk about this is that there comes a point where it's like, you have done so much for a team that you either need the team to change or you need to change. And that's like, mm-hmm. that's, there comes yeah. a time in everyone's that's what, you know, KD decided to do warranted or not with the hate that's what he decided to do after OKC. That's what LeBron decided to do after Cleveland the first time, right? So, yep. like, yep. players say, they come to a crossroads and say, hey, I'm not getting any younger. And I'm still <laughs> playing at an elite level. These are elite players. Do I need to change my surroundings, or will the team actually catch up to me? And so, I don't know. I want to get your thoughts, Max, and figure out what you think about the whole Portland situation now. I I can't. This is why I don't bet on sports because I have no idea. Because in my mind, like you just said, it's never, never, ever been a question. It's never been a question. It's it's Damian Lillard is 
the Portland Trailblazers. For sure. This man is Oregon. For sure. I really thought this year was going to be different. I, I thought I thought once they got CJ McCollum back and then yeah. having Carmelo Anthony accept the role that he is and just play way He's better, done a great job. He's done a great job over the past two years. I still believed that they wouldn't make it to a Western Conference Finals just because of how stacked the West was. But I thought they would win the first round. The first round because you saw the Denver Nuggets. I didn't think that Jamal Murray being there would have, and I wouldn't say it's little impact, but it, they wouldn't, they, I felt like I thought maybe they, the they continuity wouldn't be as good without be, him. Yeah. They, I thought there would be a little bit less continuity. Like, you know, Monte Morris is a, he's a great player as from off the bench, but he's a, he's a significant step down from, from Jamal Murray, Jamal yeah. Murray. Right. So I yeah. thought, wow. Okay. Jokic can, this dude can only do so much. You know, Michael Porter jr. Has had an amazing season, but I just didn't believe that, you know, Damian Lillard being Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum being healthy and having a healthy use of Nurkic and having a healthy canter. And like, I thought like, okay, that'd be at least enough to beat the Nuggets and then move on to the second round. But the fact that Jokic single-handedly dismantled, dismantled the whole team, regardless of Damian Lillard's performance, just the rest of the team, Jokic dismantled them. Oh my God. Like they should have won. I thought they. I thought he was going to win the double OT off of Dame's insanity. Dude's literally insane. And then Jokic is like, "Okay, buddy, hold my beer." That was that was like Jerry West esque. When I when I think of like a performance where someone loses a playoff game but does that, I think of like Jerry West, like Vince Carter type. Like you know what I mean? Just like poor Vince. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you just like feel like man that guy played so well but they lost and that's how i felt about damian Lillard. that's how i keep feeling about damian Lillard now i feel like it's become a trend and i just i thought i thought his squad was good man i really i really did i like i i just watching them play in the playoffs i mean that was a great i'm not gonna lie great series it was yeah for for the great amount for the amount of i guess limited storyline that I got that I felt from the first round I thought Damian Lillard's performance and Jokic's performance single-handedly was like okay I'd watch that you know what I mean like Damian Lillard I'll watch that and so phenomenal series just from those two players alone I but McCall, I mean McCollum had you know McCollum I could just remember when the Blazers played the Nuggets and it went to seven games mm-hmm. like I remember McCollum was the reason why they won like two of those games like he stepped up big he showed up and he was solid but it's just not enough. Wasn't enough. And I just, I don't know, Trey. I, I can't say that I see Dame going somewhere unless he's traded. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's still under contract, so it would have to be a trade. But it's, will he get to the point of asking for a trade? Because, well, that's uh, what I, I mean. Want, yeah, that, I, that's what I mean. So I want to talk about that, that Instagram post. And that's why this whole conversation, like if, if nothing happened, right, if they just lost, you wouldn't really think about Damian Lillard leaving, but his Instagram post was like interesting because he quoted uh, Nipsey Hussle's dedication, and the quote he picked was, "How long should I stay dedicated? How long till opportunity meet preparation?" That's one of the lines off the song, and mm. I was like, "Hmm, that's an interesting." Yo, line oh, first to, off, rip nip, rip nip, rip nip. Yep, but also that's an interesting line to put on your, you know. <laughs> Instagram message right after losing the playoffs, like losing in the playoffs. So. I- 
I just can't. I straight that. That's just one of those things, though. It's like you try your hardest and you still come up short. I studied for four days for this test and I still got like a seventy-two. It's I need to get an you think eighty. About it. You think about it all the you time. You think about it. You're down. You're down bad. You're down tremendous. Yeah. You're mad at yourself. You're mad at your team. You're mad at the world. You're mad at the other team. Like there's a million things that you're mad at. I bet you Dame is Dame is the hardest on himself because this man is the kind of guy who'd be like, oh, I could have done more. Oh, for sure. He's I could have worked harder. I could have done because I don't think he's the kind of guy who's going to put it on his team. No, nope. he's nope. been responsible for himself his whole life. He he knows that if he wants something, he's going to have to work for it. So mm-hmm. that is actually an interesting quote because it's like I've I've been working this hard for my entire life, and my God, that that taste of the championship. I feel like it, it was. It's it's been so close. It's like right there. It's literally the carrot on the stick for Dame. He's like so close to it, and he could get it, and he deserves it, man. But it's yeah. like he and, and he wants to stay loyal. I, I I feel like I understand that. Yeah, and so he he. I guess he talked to ESPN after this, and he said, "I mean, we didn't win a championship, so obviously where we are right now isn't good enough. I don't know what the shakeup looks like, or what changes will be made, or could be made." But obvious as, obviously as is, it wasn't good enough. We came up short against a team without their starting point guard and shooting guard. So obviously where, where we are isn't good enough to win a championship if it's not good enough to get out of a first-round series with two of their best three or four players not on the floor. So he called That's it out. Point. He called it out like how we called it out. Like he, he knows this was a bad loss for the team and his, I guess, the team's reputation to keep him. Like, I think he's kind of calling that out in his comments where he's saying, like, hey, if this team, as presently constituted, can't get out of the first round where we're facing a team where they don't have two of their best players. What are we going to do right when we play a better team? Like, what if they face what if they face the Suns or what if they face the Jazz? They would have gotten smoked. Yeah. So I, I would be pissed for him. I don't know if I'm at a point where I'm going to ask for a trade. I think and we talked about this off pod. I think this is how this is comparable to the situation in your opinion about Aaron Rodgers and his team, like his situation where you think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is doing kind of putting this out in the media and doing a little bit extra so that he can try to get, you know, the best team around him for next season. And then he'll come back and play. I think it's this a is theme exactly, I'm seeing. Yeah. So I think this is exactly what Damian Lillard is doing because I don't think he'll, specifically ask for a trade i would be stunned i would be i don't know what i would do if i saw damian lillard like request trade out of portland i i would probably like i don't know what i would do but i think this is for him he's gonna get now having said this and having known how people feel about this team he's gonna get all the opportunity to to get the coach he wants right because terry Stotts is out he's gonna get way more if as much he probably already vocal as it is on player personnel just kind of you know transactions and stuff but he's going to be way more active on that now like oh, the yeah. team is going to have to cater to damian lillard now he has them in his back pocket that's is that's, that the worst thing in the world though is that the worst thing in the world no no but that's what should have been done they should have been catering to their for their best player from the get-go because they know it wasn't working three years ago let alone t- like today I feel, and I feel like Dame is a is a reasonable guy. I feel like Dame is a reasonable guy. Like For he, sure. I don't know if he's gonna stick if he's willing to stick with your franchise through the thinnest and through some like moderately medium thick like thick with one C <laughs> time. Like like if he's willing to stick through the thick and the thin, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to give him the respect that he's given you. For sure. It's got to be a two-way street, especially if he's your best player. Yeah. And, and when your best player is as prolific as he is, I mean, yeah, give him give him the reins for a little bit. Give him the steering wheel. Give him the gas pedal or something. Yeah. He's got to be in all the meetings. He's got to be, you know, effectively communicated to. And I think the same goes for the green part of our Christmas colors. And when the Celtics try to find a new coach, Jason Tatum has to be involved. Jalen Brown has to be involved. I agree. They have to, they have to say, yes, we, we want this coach. We are willing to play for this coach. And Becky I think Hammond. Becky, yeah, Becky Hammond, John C. Billups, Sam Cassell, those three, those um those three have to have, you know, conversations with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum if, you know, if those are possible candidates. So I think in the same way goes for Damian Lillard too. Damian Lillard and to a lesser extent CJ McCollum because you know he's your second best player, but Damian Lillard, man, that that's your franchise. And if he if he's gone, it's you know it's ten years, it's five ten years until you get back. Like I don't I don't expect if oh, Damian Lillard leaves, it's yeah. ten years, it's a decade until they're back to where they are. So that's just that's just a player you can't have leave on bad terms. You just can't have it. I I agree with that. So we will see. We, I mean, it remains to be seen. Only time will tell. Only the future. But I, my vote, my vote is on he's staying. Yeah, I, I would. Say I just so can't too. see him unless the team wants to trade him for the right price. Unless they're trading him in a three-team deal for Carl Anthony Towns and. Oh man, it's got to be something. It's got to be like it had to be. It have to be something insane, like Paul George. Like it would have to be something insane. It's got to be. It's got to be a Harden type deal where you're getting like four picks and three swaps and you know this up and coming player it's it's got to be a massive haul if you're trading cuz he's under contract for a, a couple more uh, yeah he's he I think he just signed a massive contract a couple of years ago right he got the max so oh, of course he got the max i mean if anybody yeah. deserves the max it's Damian Lillard i mean he is he's insane anyway so we'll see we'll yeah. see what happens but until then let's have Trace's fact of the week to keep you company it's time for Shreyas' Fact of the Week. Yeah, so let's wrap, let's wrap this episode up with uh, a sports fact of the week. And apparently... Whoa, 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 Shreyas, we've already yes. had enough sports. Enough of that. No, enough sports? <laughs> no well, such thing. A, <laughs> no such thing, yes, of course. And there's also... I think this is a funny one because apparently... According to, you know, historians for tennis, so tennis historians, um, when the sport was first played in France, I guess in the 1100s, tennis (laughs) was always, you know, like a back and forth type of sport, but how they played it and what they used to play had changed very, you know, you'd think like, oh, tennis, it had to have been, you know, rackets and everything. No, no, no. In the beginning, the game was actually played with your bare hands. Oh my God! No way! Yeah, so you basically would use the palm of your hand to slap the ball over whatever net, or you know, I don't know. I don't know if they used. They probably had some sort of net in the middle. So yeah, you would sl- you would slap the you would slap the ball. Your your hand would be the racket, and I I remember it's like I remember kind of doing that because I didn't you know. No, you're just joking around. Tennis. You're a kid. You just joke yeah. around. Yeah, like you just yeah. like like some handball type stuff. But yeah, balls were made out of leather, and you would hit 
the pawn. Like that would hurt. Like I um, like like that's yeah. kind of crazy. And also, that's so hard to hit. Yeah, it's a leather ball, so it's like I don't even know. That's like it's just slapping your hand. You just come out and like you look at the bruise on your hand and be like, "Wow, I had a good game today." Hmm. <laughs> like what? Like what happened? Oh it's my like, god, I'm bleeding. This I'm was, bleeding. I mean, you <laughs> know, awesome. listen, I, I won forty love every time. I <laughs> I was killing it today, but boy, is my hand sore. <laughs> <laughs> like that's kind of crazy so i was like i was looking it up and i was like wow they actually like that's some like that's some like me bullshitting like i'm like oh look at me i'll play tennis but then no 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 in the 1100 so like wow we're playing tennis this is great <laughs> did, did you did you find out what at what point it changed yeah it was the modern form of tennis was roughly the 19th century but i don't know if it meant like modern meaning you know I would I mean? assume like they gave right some now. kind of like string in between. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. After after a certain amount of time, they probably were like, "We got to use some sort of racket type thing." But My then freaking get... hand hurts, man. <laughs> but yeah, I so good, sir. I have broken every bone in my hand. <laughs> like, we need a solution. Like, oh, well, we got to use a softer ball, man. <laughs> Let's use something my dog can chew on. <laughs> and rubber bands. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah. Wow. The history of tennis. History of tennis. That is a man. sport that we do not talk about. I I wish I like. Do you like? like no, so I, I can't. Like, I'm sorry, like guys. I'm like gonna veto that right now. You don't like I'm tennis. Veto- I'm vetoing it right now. No, you I don't just like that. no, 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 no. Oh. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't uh, not like tennis. Yeah, yeah. Tennis is fine. Right. I, it's a cool sport. It's hard to play. Respect for all the players and the athletes. Yeah. Whether you play, you know, I just it's just no. I'm just not interested in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't it's watch just, it. I don't watch all the open. So I'm a definitely a a fake fan in that I will watch the Wimbledon and keep up with the Wimbledon. Yeah, see, I can't even pretend to be a fake. That's fan. the only I, thing I, I watch. know nothing about. That's it. the only thing I watch. I am so, I guess, out of the circuit and like understanding who people are now and stuff like that. Um, I do like kind of tennis history. I like, and I think I like history of a lot of sports. Where I'm like, I'll always look up like old tennis players, and my mom watched old tennis players and stuff. So I'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah, mm. that's a name, that's a name. Oh, that's a good player. Like that's a name, like that's classic right there. But then like that's the new people, I'm like, I have no idea kind of who you are, who's in the circuit right now, who's on top. I I feel that Other actually than, true. And speaking of history yeah. too, I want to bring back, I want to bring back our gauntlet, but I want to bring it back historical. Mm-hmm. So, all you cool cats and kittens, <laughs> all you amateur hour stands, yeah. Grab your history books, put on your glasses, watch some highlight reels, watch the last dance, but watch more than that because there's a lot of great basketball history. And we're yeah. gonna we're gonna start over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna start taking our deep dives into the some history. Bl- some black and white film. Go get go get your v- your VCRs and your VHS tapes. And we're talking about what Doctor Naismith wanted. Yep. <laughs> All righty. Well, with that, you have been listening to another episode of Amateur Hour, a professional sports podcast by people who have never played professional sports. I'm your host, Max, along with Shreyas, and we will see you next time. Peace. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.